Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. Uh, excuses, excuses. Let me turn this down a little bit. So, long story short is I um, rush ordered a new PC and to prep me for uh, VR streaming and I got it today and amongst other things it was kind of a really horrid day and uh, tried to get it all set up things are somewhat broken but I'm going to go through the news I won't have much in terms of uh, chat based <laughs> content uh, so like I won't be able to post the show notes because of the way that I've got my screen set up um, uh, what I do when I'm not streaming, I have multiple systems and it's really just kind of an, a nightmare. Um, and I don't remote into my desktops. I here, at least in, in my office at any rate, um, things are really wonky. So with all that in mind, I'm just going to go through the news, um, and we'll see what comes of it today will be uh consider it a rebuilding year i don't know anyway uh, again i am mayor watt and that is hometown.com hometown.com is a news aggregation site that funnels all of the news that i gather about 200 news article i'm uh, sorry news sources um sometimes hundreds of pages in any 24-hour period today um uh, I don't know. I just kind of slacked, but all of these articles are actually submitted to me. So let's get into it. I won't even slow down today. I'm going to rush through this um, and, and still try and feel engaged. At least if anyone comes into my chat, this is an oddball stream because I used to do my stream at 11 o'clock. I moved it to 11 a.m. Eastern. These are Eastern times. 11 p.m. is when I did it once, and then 11 a.m. is when I did it. Um, switched it over to 6 p.m. I'm going to try and do more of that um, and extend it longer uh, in the new year. But man, this is today is just a hot mess, and I'm kind of frazzled. So let's get into the news. Um, after this short little, just want to tell you a little bit about Omtown. Omtown is a news aggregation site. 200 sources, about 200 sources, into six main categories, create news, education, entertainment, social, and technology. From there, 50 channels. Uh, I use it in my daily life for what I do each day. Um, oh, I need to stretch. I'm sorry. And um, one of those articles here, uh, I really think it's kind of funny. I mean... James Cameron conducted a scientific study to prove Jack's Titanic death. Only one person could survive, says Forensic Analysis. So any fans of James Cameron's Titanic has surely debated many times whether or not Jack, who's Leonardo DiCaprio, had to die. Uh, many viewers claim there was enough room for both Jack and Rose, who was Kate Winslet on the floating door turned makeshift raft, but Cameron himself is here to prove everyone wrong. So, um, this article, um, can I pause this video? Maybe I can just stop it. Okay. 
<clears throat> so Zach Sharf over at Variety.com put this article together. I will get all of this uh, sorted, um, the layout and, and, and the font size and all of that here later tomorrow. Um, at any rate, uh, many viewers claim there was enough room. Um, we've done a scientific study to put this whole thing to rest and drive a stake through its heart once and for all, Cameron said. We have since done a thorough forensic analysis with a hyperthermia expert, hypothermia expert, who reproduced the raft from the movie, and we're going to do a little special on it that comes out in February, so you get teased. The special's February release coincides with a 4K restoration of Titanic Restoration. All right. Uh, that is scheduled to open in theaters on Valentine's Day weekend, 2023. Yes, it's so romantic uh, letting somebody uh, die because you don't want to take turns in the boat. Or the door, I should say. Anyway, um, you know, I bet you if she was younger, um, he would have uh, punted her off that door. Anyway, Cameron continued, we were, uh, we took two stunt people who were the same body mass as Kate and Leo, and we put sensors all over them and inside them, dear God, um, and we put them in ice water and we tested to see whether they could survive through a variety of methods. And the answer was there was no way they both could sur could have survived. Only one could have survived. Well, that special just got ruined. Come on. Anyway, let me see something. Let me, I'm going to try something real quick. I'm going to try and grab this uh, article and I'm going to throw it into um, Showbot. This is really horrendous because I actually have to travel across multiple screens to throw that URL into the chat. So anyway, let's do this with the next one. I will go through all of this. I'm sorry for the silence. Those of you who might be finding this via the podcast, I'm uh, a hot mess today. Well, anyway, Henry Cavill will be set to produce and star in an entire Warhammer 40K cinematic universe. That is not the quote that I heard. My understanding was that Cavill said his experience now has led him to believe that he has the ability to bring a Warhammer 40k uh, cinematic universe, uh, Warhammer cinematic universe itself. Not I don't think he said 40k, but anyway, it's implied Warhammer 40k cinematic universe um, to reality, and that they found a home in Amazon Studios. Which I don't know. This might be hit or miss. It really depends on if Amazon will allow this to play out the way that Henry Cavill wants it to play out. Well, it's official. After rumors began circulating that Henry Cavill was in talks with Amazon to produce and star in a Warhammer 40k series, we've had an official announcement confirming it's happening. Well, kind of. The reality is much better. It's not just a TV series that's in the works. It looks like it's a whole ass cinematic universe. Well, PC Gamer is the source of this article over at Ometown. Um, but they, um, the PCGamer.com um, is talking about this over at PCGamer.com. Uh, Molly Taylor is the 
author of this, and it says Amazon Studios has secured rights to the universe across series, film, and more. And um, Henry Cavill's a big fan of Warhammer 40K and has um, swore that he's going to stick to the the heart um, of Warhammer 40K, the spirit of Warhammer 40K, and uh, r rip both out of the alien scum's body. I'm sorry, sorry. I, I started thinking in Warhammer 40k terms. The deal was unveiled on Warhammer's community site, confirming that Amazon Studios has officially secured the rights to create a whole slate of Warhammer 40k goodies with the agreement encompassing rights to the universe across series, film, and more. The Warhammer 40k CU the cinematic universe will sit alongside GAW's activities as they, <coughs> um, sorry, not as they cough, but uh, activities as they continue to make the best miniatures in the world. Um, even if 3d printing could take that all away, if they allowed it anyway, for 30 years, I have dreamt of seeing Warhammer universe in live action wrote Kevil in a Instagram post. Now after 22 years of experience in the industry, I finally feel, that I have the skill set and experience to guide a Warhammer cinematic universe into life. That's the quote that I remember. So, oh, hell yeah, I'm all over this. I can't wait, but I'm going to move on. The next article. Uh, again, sorry for the dead air. I may edit the dead air out, but um, usually I don't because... I'd let you know how the sausage is made. Hey, how about that? Uh, this next article is in the Hatch Ideas channel. Planned wind farm told it'll need to shut down for five months a year to protect parrots. Well, that'll lose its uh, <clears throat> um, power generation benefits because it's going to be a, just a, a, a bunch of dumb fans just sitting there. Uh, this is over at CNBC. Uh, Anmar Frangol is the author of this. Project approval is subject to a range of conditions, including one related to the orange, belly, bleh, orange bellied parrot, which the Australian government says is in, uh, critically endangered. Um, the interaction of wind turbines with natural world is likely to become an area of major debate and discussion. Um, going forward, it's weird that these fan blades are, they're spinning pretty fast, but birds, that many birds? I haven't really looked into it because I think that birds would like move out of the way. I mean, I've seen them flying towards my car. Maybe the tips of the blades are moving so fast that it just doesn't really dawn on me because of their size. But I, I just don't recall what the speeds are. Anyway, the U.S. Energy Information Administration says that some of the wind projects and turbines can lead to the deaths of bats and birds. <clears throat> so plans for a major wind farm in Australia were given the thumbs up this month on the provision of turbines going offline for five months a year to protect the parrot species. In an environmental assessment report of the Robbins Island Renewable Energy Park, Tasmania's Environmental Protection Authority said it, its board had determined to approve the proposal for the project, which could have as many as 122 wind turbines and is overseen by ACEN Australia. Pretty cool. 
A tiny little parrot there. Looking at us side eye. Are you going to whack me out of the air? Humans are rude. Okay, so this next article, I'm going to continue on. The next article is a huge Berlin aquarium burst. The Berlin Sea Life Tourist Attraction um, cracked. Uh, from what I last heard, and that was earlier today, it's kind of been a whirlwind day today. Um, I read that um, freezing temperatures may have been um, the blame for this and that a couple of people were hurt. 1500 tropical fish were kind of bouncing around in the um, atrium and it blew stuff out into the streets. Um, and uh, as far as I know, total loss. So let's go over to ABC news where this is housed and Emily Schultes and Frank Jordan's over at the associated press, um, posted this over on uh, abcnews.go.com. German police say a huge aquarium in the center of Berlin burst and caused a wave of devastation in and around the popular tourist attraction. Yeah, there's debris everywhere. Uh, police said parts of the building, which also contains a hotel, cafes, and chocolate store, were damaged as one million liters of water poured from the aquarium shortly before 6 a.m. Berlin's fire service said two people were slightly injured. Um, the company that owns the Aquadom um union investment real estate said in a statement friday afternoon that the reasons were in, still unclear um so still pretty lucky it could have been a whole lot worse indeed and as a tourist could have been in the area to a greater extent it says nearly all of the 1500 fish that were inside at the time of the rupture have passed on to the great aquarium in the sky Adding a few fish at the bottom of the tank could still be saved. Uh, among the 80 fish, 80 types of fish it housed were blue tang and clownfish. Well, this is no joke. Let's move on. The next article. I'm going to do this fast today. Fast 10. Fast. Um, the Honda Accord will be Honda's first offer to uh, provide Google built in. Uh, the 2023 Honda Accord with Google built-in supports smooth multi-touch as opposed to the uh, sticky, bumpy, uh, staccato multi-touch that everybody else offers. Uh, I hope nobody takes me serious about that. Honda has said that the Accord will be the automaker's first vehicle to support Google built-in integration enabling native Android apps and over-the-air software updates via automotive news. Um, it will be included as a standard feature in the top touring trim, the top touring trim of the 2023 Honda Accord arriving early next year. And uh, it says, if you've never heard of Google built-in, that's because it's just another name for Android Automotive, the software giant's vehicle operating system. Uh, considering Google has a similarly named phone-to-car integration called Android Auto, um, like Apple's CarPlay, it makes sense that the less confusing Google built-in be used. I, I don't quite get that, but that's okay. 
Um, I would think that it should be Google or Android Auto or whatever, but I don't know. It's weird. It's such a, a separate thing, but why is it a separate thing? What everybody really wants is a place just to put their phone. <laughs> they don't need all of this other stuff, I don't think. Just a place to put their phone. All I want is a USB-C connector. Dunk, plug it in. One on the side and one down uh, on the bottom so that if I uh, want to put it in portrait mode, then I can do it. Bunk. If I want it in landscape mode, bunk, then I can do it with a tablet or a phone or whatever. Just give me a USB-C. Anyway, so it says, I'll reiterate this. If you're wondering whether Google built-in is new or just another name for Android Automotive, the company's vehicle OS, you're not alone. We emailed, and by we, I mean The Verge, Umar Shakir, um, emailed the company to clarify and received the, this response. Google built-in is not new. It's the branding we use for cars that support Google Automotive Services, or GAS. It refers to when a car has Google apps and services like Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store directly integrated into the vehicle so you don't need your phone to access them. This is different from Android Automotive OS and manufacturers have the option to implement AAOS without opting for gas. Some choose both. That's a lot of acronyms. Anyway. Congratulations, Honda Accord 2023. Keep on being competitive, folks. Customers are the ones that benefit from all of this competition. Keep being competitive. Uh, this is in the Daily News Show, the next article. It's called The Gummy Robot Does the Worm When Temperatures Change. Um, a new gelatinous robot that crawls, powered by nothing more than temperature change and clever design, brings a kind of intelligence to the field of soft robotics. Researchers say soft robotics. The inchworm-inspired work is detailed in science robotics. Let's go straight over to the article. Oh, that's cool. Inchworms are, are pretty neat, but what type of... What evolutionary step is this, you know? Let's skip a couple of uh, legs here and let's skip a whole bunch more over here. Whatever. Anyway, it's over in futurity.org. Gummy robot does the worm when temps change. Jill Rosen Johns Hopkins. Um, wow. Anyway, that's who it was posted by. That, that image that you saw was from Getty Images. And um, apparently this is what it looks like. But I'm not sure how the temperature changes in this particular setting. Because it looks like it might be in water. But um, it seems very simplistic. But this is an object moving without batteries, without wiring, without an external power supply of any kind. Just on the swelling and shrinking of gel, says senior author David Gracias. Um, a professor of chemical and biomolecular engineering at Johns Hopkins University. Wait. So is that person, oh, Jill Rosen from Johns Hopkins? Or was that their name, Rosen Johns Hopkins? I don't know. 
Anyway, I think it's Jill Rosen from Johns Hopkins. Anyway, let's move forward. I keep saying anyway. Sorry about that. Um, our study shows how the manipulation of shape, dimensions, and patterning of gels can tune morphology to embody a kind of intelligence for locomotion. Rossius says, robots are, robots are made almost exclusively of hard materials like metals and plastics, a fundamental obstacle in the push to create, if not more human-like robots than robots, ideal for human biomedical advancements. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Maybe that can lead to some um, evolution of the technology for muscle. Because muscle only does one thing, and that's contract. And if you can develop develop something that doesn't need a power supply but still contracts, um, then that goes a long way in supporting um, one of my former passions, which was cybernetics. Um, cruise robo cruises robo taxis are under investigation for sudden braking and blocking traffic. The uh, NHTSA has launched an investigation into General Motors Cruise, citing incidents in which the company's autonomous vehicles have blocked the road or caused rear-end collisions. The NHTSA is examining incidents in which cruises vehicles engage in inappropriately hard braking or becoming immobilized. There are three incidents that the agency is probing in which cruise vehicles were struck from behind after braking suddenly. In each incident, a, dry, a safety driver was present in the vehicle. Interesting. So the two incidents are separate, but they seem to be still within cruise, so time to pay attention to them. This is over at The Verge. Andrew J. Hawkins is the author. And... Um, I don't know. Is this one of the, uh, I think this is one of the vehicles where I just drove off when a cop showed up. Like it pulled over because a cop was flashing its lights. The cop showed up, uh, to give it a ticket, but it was an automated vehicle. So it just drove off, but apparently it went to a safer spot. I don't know. Um, but a spokesperson for the NHTSA said that the investigation encompasses all of Cruz's autonomous vehicles in San Francisco, which the company estimates at 242 vehicles. An investigation of this nature is the first step in a process that could lead to a potential recall. Earlier this year, Cruz issued a recall on its automated driving system after a crash resulted in minor injuries. I want to see if they actually, if this is the vehicle... Um, at some point, a, um, the article, most articles have some throwaway statement somewhere in them and it might be there. Yeah. I don't see it anyway. Uh, the, these automated vehicles I think are just going to be amazing once they get all of the bugs worked out. Uh, let's move on to the next article. Um, this one is over in the mobile channel and it is. Um, it is Pentagon has received several hundreds of new UFO reports. The, the new Pentagon office set up to track reports of unidentified flying objects has received several hundreds. I really don't like that, but okay. Um, how about hundreds of new reports, but no evidence so far of alien life 
the agency's leadership told reporters Friday. Um, this is uh, from Tara Kopp over at fizz.org. Big old picture of the Pentagon. Um, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or ARO, um, was set up in July and is responsible for not only tracking unidentified objects in the sky, but also underwater or in space, or potentially an object that has the ability to move from one domain to the next. So go from air to sea. The office was established following more than a year of attention on unidentified flying objects that military pilots observed but have sometimes been reluctant to report due to fear of stigma. In June of 2021, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence reported that between 2004 and 2021, there were 144 such encounters, 80 of which were captured on multiple sensors. Since then, we've had lots more reporting, said Anomaly Office Director Sean Kirkpatrick. Uh, the office was set up not only to examine the question of whether there's extraterrestrial life, but also because of the security risk posed by so many encounters with unknown flying objects by military installations or military aircraft. Um, one of the things that I find really shocking about this is it's been denial, denial, denial for uh, all of my life uh, regarding these unknown aerial phenomena. Um, and then there are people that say that, well, this is all just a bunch of hullabaloo but unfortunately, it hasn't been, it, and, and it isn't. The, the problem here is that the U.S. government is actually acknowledging it as a phenomenon that is uh, causing great concern. So why would somebody sit there and say, hey, we can debunk this with special effects? Yeah, you can do wondrous things with computers. What you can't do is fake out multiple sensor arrays in a battle group out in the ocean. Anyway, there's an idea here that maybe it could be uh, foreign methods of surveillance, but there isn't anything that really supports that. This May, Congress held its first hearing in more than a half a century on the topic, with multiple members expressing concern that whether or not the objects are alien or potentially new unknown technology being flown by China, Russia, or other, another potential adversary, the unknown creates a security risk. It could be somebody, it could be our own researchers doing stuff, and everything is a black op, so you don't hear about it. It's all hush-hush, you know, you don't talk about it. Um, just, we do the research and if we can pull one over on you, then I guess our research works. Now the monitoring will continue and we shall see if anything comes of it. But really, if there were aliens, maybe it'll be like that game high on life. <laughs> yeah, go watch somebody play high on life. It'll make more sense. The next article is in the Daily News Show. Historic ship resurfaces on Utah's shrinking Great Salt Lake. The wreckage of a ship that first set sail on Utah's Great Salt Lake uh, 120 years ago can now be observed as the body, uh, water body reaches historic lows. Um, this is very unfortunate. And uh, Meredith Deliso 
the W.E. Marsh number four set sail uh, on the lake in 1902. One second here. So the wreckage first, ships, uh, first set sail on the Great Salt Lake 120 years ago, now observed as the water body um, known to be the largest saltwater lake in the Western Hemisphere, reaches historic lows. There's such a rich history out here. Great, Great Salt Lake State Park Manager Dave Shearer told ABC Salt Lake City affiliate KTVX, there's a lot of wrecks out here on the Great Salt Lake that have started to surface, and it's really interesting to go out there and see them. Hmm. How do they know what it is? Pardon me one second. Okay. So the wreckage is believed to be the W.E. Marsh number four, and it was discovered by happenstance near the lake's marina in 2014 using side scan sonar while the state park crew was searching for a keel that had fallen off a boat. Oh, that's not nice. Because the front's not supposed to fall off, or the keel. I don't know which part the keel is at the moment. It's late. It's leaning over on its side, and you're seeing the starboard side of the hull, and you can see the whole hull. The whole hull. Hull, hull, hull. That's like an ocean-faring Santa Claus. Hull, hull, hull. It was one of the first boats that came out on the lake in 1902 to build the trestle, according to Shearer, and was used to ferry people back and forth to the work site. Neat. There you go. Oh, yeah. Can you actually see more of that? Yeah, I guess so. The boat was also used for dredging before eventually being donated to the Sea Scouts, according to Shearer. And then it was last seen afloat in 1936. All right. Going to learn more about it. Go over to that article. Um, and finally, I never thought that I would see this happen within five years. I figured that it would take about five years. <clears throat> but apparently there's some talk that Elon Musk is offering the generous opportunity to invest in Twitter already at $54.20. <clears throat> Lately, the author has been thinking a lot about the time when Elon Musk bought a McLaren F1 for $1 million and then immediately drove it into a ditch while trying to show off to Peter Thiel. Let's just go over to the article. This is at The Verge. Elizabeth Lopato is the author of this article. And uh, let's let's kind of shimmy on down to the bottom of this article where it makes more focused discussion about the price. Um, according to Semaphore, Musk is trying to get more investors for Twitter at the original price of $54.20 per share. Uh, that, that was the price that he bought the company at before he frightened away advertisers and banned a bunch of journalists. That journalist part is going on in the last 24 hours. I find it rather shocking. Um, uh, journalists are pretty much the epitome of free speech, First Amendment rights. Uh, but a business banning people is not a First Amendment issue. But you can't sit there and say that you're the last bastion of freedom of speech and then start banning people. 
because they pseudo docked you doxed you it's not even doxing buddy it's public information they're not doxing anything even if some other tertiary wingnut which i haven't heard if the police report actually was made manifest but when you've got a lot of freaking money you can make a police report appear simply because you complain enough and you're a billionaire so you can say whatever you want well anyway he's offering uh, apparently this is this is something that's reported by other people about that price remember how musk decided to actually buy twitter at 54 dollars and 20 cents that it was a bad idea and tried to back out he accused twitter of making false and misleading statements during their negotiations and tried to cancel the deal and there was a flimsy pretext of bots involved but eventually it became clear none of that was going to fly and musk eventually closed the deal with no concessions whatsoever at the end of october mm-hmm. well i said that he was going to pivot and release stock again he was going to reissue stock i didn't think that it would be at 54 dollars. i figured that he it would collapse and he would have to pay 25 or he would only be able to um you know leech 25 bucks from people and maybe it would climb back up as soon as he bows out because i think that over the years he's oozed into wingnut territory well goober you will be pleased to know is considering this generous offer to put more money into an asset the owner has himself said is overpriced one could argue he has created value or destroyed value at twitter gerber told semaphore it's hard to tell at this point yeah well there's a lot more over at this article but i said that it was going to happen within five years i guess i was right thanks elizabeth lapato over at the verge for this little snippet and if you're interested in that you can actually follow the links from my chat and from the show note and from everywhere the podcast will eventually have them probably tomorrow afternoon um, i'm gonna make it a really short stream today and if you are in my chat thank you very much for coming and if you stopped by earlier today and didn't see me i apologize if you came back um, but today's just really one of those wonky days Come and tell me about your wonky day and let's see if we can commiserate about that, about the news, business, technology, and society. And I'll see you tomorrow, hopefully at 6 p.m. Eastern. I'll see you. Bye-bye.